this is not a test. This is rock and roll. Time to rock it from the Delta to the DMZ. Is that me or does that sound like an Elvis Presley movie? Viva Da Nang. Oh, Viva Da Nang. Da Nang me, Da Nang me. Why don't they get a rope and hang me? Hey, is this a little too early for being that loud? Hey, too late. It's 0600. What's the O stand for? Oh, my God, it's early. Speaking of early, how about that Cro-Magnon, Marty Drywitz? Thank you, Marty, for silky smooth sound. Make me sound like Peggy Lee. Freddie and the Dreamers. The wrong speed. We've got it on the wrong speed. For those of you who are recovering from a hangover, that's going to sound just right. Let's pull it right back down. Let's try a little faster. See if that picks it up a little bit. Let's get up on 718. Those pilots are going right now. I really like the music. I really like the music. I really like the music. Oh, still a bad song. Hey, wait a minute. Let's try something. Let's play this backwards and see if it gets any better. Freddy is a devil. Freddy is a devil. Hey, uh, hi, can you help me? What's your name? My name's Roosevelt Lee Roosevelt. Roosevelt, what town are you stationed in? I'm stationed in Poon Tang. Well, thank you, Roosevelt. What's the weather like out there? It's hot. Damn hot. Real hot. Hot of this is my shorts. I can cook things in it. Little crotch pot cooking. Well, can you tell me what it feels like? Fool, what is hot? I told you again. Were you born on the sun? It's damn hot. You can be a little thing. I saw it so damn hot. I saw one of those little guys in the orange robe burst into flames. It's that hot. You know what I'm talking about. But what do you think it's going to be like tonight? It's going to be hot and wet. That's nice if you're with a lady, but it ain't no good if you're in the jungle. Thank you, Roosevelt. Here's a song coming your way right now. Nowhere to Run To by Martha and the Vandellas. Yeah. And so you heard at the beginning, good evening, Internet. Steel Cage Carnage, well, episode, they... what is it, seven? Seven now. Yeah, it's whenever they watch, actually. Okay, cool. Yes, at the beginning of the show, introing the Razor Ramones with our normal theme song, I'm Not a Nugget, of course, from the 80s movie Good Morning Vietnam, the late, great Robin Williams. We'll be paying tribute to him later on tonight with the only most tenuous connection that we can make to professional wrestling, one of his uh, videos that he sent in for one of the WWE uh, salute the troops specials that was really really funny but in a really subtle classic comedy way the way it should be exactly uh got wrestling stuff going ron smackdown this last couple week it happened hashtag it happened uh the slap heard around the world and of course SummerSlam coming up this sunday with the biggest fight of the summer but uh what happened on raw friend um all right we got well we got paul Heyman. Doing a promo. We always got to beat that. I always has to be noted that Paul Heyman is doing a promo. And not just a promo, but Jesus, this guy, I mean, in my opinion, I mean, on Raw, John Cena cut the kind of promo I love seeing John Cena cut. He was serious. He was taking the matter seriously, even though, and I think this is funny, they chose him going up against the one that beat the one, the beast incarnate, his most dangerous opponent ever, for him to come out debuting the most cartoonish looking t-shirt that he's ever had in his entire career, uh subtly yellow and red um <clears throat> torch pass cough cough um to uh have john cena doing that but it was kind of contrasted with the seriousness of the situation but other than that promo in my opinion paul Heyman has single-handedly sold this pay-per-view he single-handedly sold that main event to the world he's got them booing brock lesnar i noticed too. yeah yeah he got, got that initial pop and then it immediately went to booze which I mean, I think everybody kind of feels that Brock Lesnar is going to be the next champion. It would be a real waste of 
Undertaker streak ending to have him lose to John Cena. I really don't see any way he doesn't come out of SummerSlam with the championship. No, that's a good way to build another person we've talked about. Possibly, everyone keeps talking about it, Roman Reigns to be the guy who beat the guy who beat Cena and the guy who beat the streak. Right. That, that would certainly put uh, Roman Reigns on the map, definitely. Yeah, that, or, I mean, that's always the speculation everybody wants, but it could be that or just anybody you could throw in there. I mean, just that exponentially rises rises your name up on the totem pole, so to speak. Um but yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think there's people out there, John Cena fans, who are legitimately concerned for John Cena and are afraid that, as Brock Lesnar said, Brock Lesnar's going to leave him in a pile of his own urine, blood, and vomit of his own. No, really, not of his, not of his or like no. sables or something? No, or, he's yeah. not going to bag up his kid's piss and like bring it to the arena and throw it in the corner on the, the, the canvas. He's not going to... Brock has kids? I think so. I, mean, I, thought, I thought him and Sable had a kid or two. Maybe, or... but that would be the most like disciplined kids ever <laughs> yeah. because it's like, look who will be punishing you. And I was broke. You know, I bet the music would hit and does a titty bounce. And and when and when Brock's kids get of age to go to high school, who or junior high or elementary school, who is going to screw with them? Nobody. Absolutely nobody. I don't think the kids, <clears throat> those kids' ancestors. I mean, they're. Whatever you call them, down the road. Their descendants will even mess with them. There was Out of fear of Brock Lesnar time traveling and killing them. There was never a more literal meaning to my dad will beat up your dad. <laughs> to it being Brock Lesnar, who can legitimately beat up most people on this earth. Right. Um, but, I mean, thing is, everyone says about Cena, but Cena's actually a pretty tough dude. <laughs> yeah, he's a tough dude, but, I mean... When you go against Brock Lesnar, it's a little hard. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the way they've sold it, the way they excused away Brock beating the absolute ever-loving piss out of John Cena of his at own. Extreme Rules. Yeah, of his own. Uh, and then getting beat with the sudden uh, FU. The or The chain shot. At, yeah, the chain shot and then the attitude adjustment on the stairs. Um, I think they've explained it away pretty well because when you got a guy, Brock Lesnar, who's as badass as he is, and he does, he it was almost uncomfortable to watch that match. He beat the hell out of John Cena. To John's credit, he is a tough guy and he took all of it. But then this is the guy, I mentioned this to Rachel earlier, who didn't just, as Paul Heyman has pointed out to us, rightfully so, he didn't just beat The Undertaker. He didn't just end the streak. By all reports, Undertaker is still recovering from the effects of the concussion that he <laughs> received at the hands of Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar literally knocked the sense out of The Undertaker and knocked him par- perhaps out of wrestling. So I mean, it's it's a legitimate threat and believable that Brock's that dangerous because he is. Yes. I, like I said, I, I'm not messing with the guy. <laughs> well, sure. But, um, so yeah, so... Great promo, though. Great promo. And best part about the promo, Heyman's doing all the talking because that little... The, the thing they did, the special with John Cena and Brock Lesnar, when he talks and they can chop it up into little sound bites, it's good. He says some good stuff. He comes across very believable. But they can't just give him a live mic and let him talk, and they've learned that. And Brock's learned that he's much more intimidating when he's just silent. And that moment when uh, Heyman had presumably ended the promo, tossed the mic down, and Brock stopped him and just pointed at the mic, like, tell him this. I thought that was really well done. Yeah. um, Yeah, like you said, (coughs) I... (coughs) Just thinking about him talking is like a (coughs) room... Let's edit that. Out. <laughs> yeah, that was a fake one. Yeah, we can edit that out. That's fine. That's uh, five fifty nine. 
I forgot I was going with that. Um, oh yeah, just like when he did the thing where he wrecked up, wrecked, he wrecked up, he wrecked up, he wrecked them up, Carl. He just got him in there. He sucked them up a little bit, then he wrecked them up. He, he bent them down. He took his pass down. He didn't even spit on it. Nothing. He just wrecked them up. When did JVL come from the Midwest? I don't know. When did he come from Chicago? <laughs> he wrecked them there. Yeah. Yeah, so when he wrecked um, Triple H's um, <coughs> office, and all of a sudden you just hear, we're done. Like, yeah. Wow, that took, the fire, that took the fire out of that, I guess. Or, or his he, primal scream. Ah! Oh! Yeah. Yeah, just don't just let him destroy people. Right. Just do that. Yeah, and he's menacing when he's just quiet like that, and a silent killer. Yes. Uh, so then we move on to Ryback taking on Curtis. Wait, Curtis Axel and Ryback, sorry, taking on uh, Roman Reigns for the for uh, what did I say for in a handicap match um, to well for a warm up, I guess you could say. Everyone knew what was going to happen here, so the, you know it, was, it, was, it wasn't really surprising. Well, I, I'm just surprised there wasn't Ryback and Curtis Axel against Stardust and Goldust again. Yeah, right. I told Rachel when we were watching this. Uh, you tried a lot of things. Yeah, I was saying um, how sad. Just Roman Reigns. In order to show how badass he is, is being put in the ring against two guys who he's going to beat. And only a couple years ago, that was Ryback standing in Roman Reigns' position. Now he's one of the guys getting beat by one guy. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know what happened with Ryback or whose luggage he you know, moved over or handy didn't shake right or whose Red Bull he drank. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. But yeah. Um, so you know what that was going. Superman punch, Superman punch, beer. Yep. Ooh. Uh, that's... You see the ooh thing. There you go. Yeah. Um, so move on. We have uh, another former member of the Shield, Seth Rollins, your favorite, taking oh, on Rob so Van good. Dam. Um, not, well, not so, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I Seth, went with a curb stomp. Seth. Yeah. Seth Rollins, Rob Van Dam. This. I don't know how many times we have to see Rob Van Dam. Uh, you know, put Seth Rollins over. We get it. He beat Rob Van Dam. That's fantastic. Good for you, Seth Rollins. Can we give him somebody else to beat? Because I'm getting tired of seeing uh, if Rob's at least if Rob is going to lose consistently when he comes back in and out of the WWE, mix it up a little bit. Don't have it be the same guy like a month in a row. Yeah, I'm mean, like Rusev or something. Yeah, wow, that's the first time I ever would say that. Yes, that's my uh, Dean Ambrose. Oh impression. yes, exactly. After the match, though, going and the most obvious box to, to go look at this. Oh, look, it's a person-sized box. No, he's not there. <laughs> out comes Dean Ambrose going. How was? How what is it? Yes. <laughs> so yeah, um, I thought it was funny because you know one would think, oh, it's yeah, he's gonna be in there, and he walks away, and like ah, but then he pops out. I thought that was, I still like it. I mean, you still expect it from someone like Dean Ambrose. I thought at least it was a nice twist that they did, didn't have it happen, and like, oh my god, he was in the big box, like the, everyone in the small box. Everyone knew that it was kind of obvious, and and Seth Rollins even played into that. He went up there, kind of like checking it out real like hesitant and whatnot yeah he like shook it yeah so it was a nice little uh you know classic comedic uh punch there yeah and of course seth rollins is you know we've declared he's declared it's going to be a for some reason a lumberjack match at SummerSlam. actually this kind of oh, no, makes I, sense no but also you know what it's it's a very nice gesture to get some of these guys who will never be on tv some pay-per-view bonus <laughs> yeah right that's what he's doing really yeah yeah no, I think it's actually kind of smart because he he kind of framed it in the right way. Uh, I was sure it was going to be a street fight or something along those lines. A little surprised, a little disappointed when he made the announcement that it was going to be the lumberjack match. But uh, when he cut the promo and said that, "Hey, we spent two years beating all of these guys' asses and stacking their bodies in the, you know on top of each other," 
and now they're going to be the ones surrounding the ring, and they still want revenge. Like, he's willing to throw himself to the dogs in order to get Seth Rollins, and, and I think that was pretty well done. Yeah, and I just think about it that way. Yeah. So first I was like, what about a cage <clears throat> match? Because nobody goes anywhere, but then I realized... Cage matches suck now because they're like, there's so many ways to win now. It used to be just get out of the cage. Yeah. Now it's, you can pin them, submit them. There's a, If they climb out, if they do yeah. this, if they, you know, fix the Rubik's Cube within 22 seconds. Rock, paper, scissor. Yeah. Rojambeau. Hopscotch. Yeah, if you can do that, you you win. Yeah. And now, whatever happened, just beating the crap out of somebody until they were unconscious and you had to get out that way. Yeah. Well, it was funny. Rachel's um, still putting these tropes together with wrestling, and it's kind of funny because... We were watching, uh, what was it? It was a couple weeks ago in Raw when Roman Reigns had the last man standing match with Kane. And she goes, so what exactly is the last man standing match? And I said, oh, uh, you beat your opponent down until he can't get up and he can't answer a 10 count. She's like, so basically it's an ambulance match, but without the ambulance. And I was like, yeah, it's an ambulance match. It's a street fight. It's a no DQ match. It's a you know Chicago brawl. It's a backlot brawl. It's pretty much the same variation of every no holds barred type of fight where you know you get to have outside interference or you get to have weapons or whatever else. But they frame it up differently to try to give the appearance of variety. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it all ends <clears throat> as end in someone winning and losing. Right. Um, so we move on. We have Jack Swagger taking on. Oh gosh, the na- seemingly de-pushed Cesaro. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm no, in, no entrance, just standing in the ring. I can appreciate the fact that Cesaro, um, you know, they're doing what they always do. They build a guy up and then knock him down, and they'll probably build him up again later. Uh, I have no doubts that they see a future in Cesaro. I understand that everybody has to lose and put somebody over in order to have everybody be strong. But, I mean, and already in the ring, not even an entrance, and then he just loses clean. It just it does seem like they kind of cut the legs out from under him, and it's really disappointing. Uh, to this day... The way they've let that fizzle out and what they're doing with him now, to me, no idea why they even bothered with the Paul Heyman thing, other than just to keep Paul Heyman on television. Yeah, I mean, it could be a good way to build up uh, Cesaro, get him some cred, is to be the guy who challenges Lesnar after. Well, that, yeah. Um, but, but you know, he comes close to winning, but he doesn't. But it's proving how tough he is, because he is a legit tough mother effer. Right. Um, so, so, I mean, that'd be a good, but, you know, they're probably not going to do that. He's just going to be the, now it might be the main event or something like that or whatever. Or the <clears throat> it's the test to see how he handles it. Right. Which is just stupid. Yeah. They could be making so much money with that guy right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but it was uh, Jack Swagger beating Cesaro, by the way. And then yeah. after, um, we have Rusev. Waving um, flags at each other again. Yeah, which, which still we got to teach Rusev how to wave a damn flag. I'm so excited for this flag match, only because that means hopefully the end of this friggin' angle. Yeah. <laughs> What happened next? <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, Jericho <clears throat> took on Bray Wyatt. Oh, I mean, not, sorry, I didn't take on. I took had on. It, took on. They all verbally took on. And, and not know. only verbally took him on, but verbally thrashed him. Oh, yeah, Bray Wyatt just destroyed Jericho. Jericho came up. I don't know how Wyatt does. This happens sometimes. He just comes up with some, like, generic response. Cl- yeah, cliche. I'm going to st- stuff your teeth, kick your teeth down your throat. I can get a little crazy. You don't know which Jericho's going to show up. Well, Bray Wyatt doesn't give a crap. <laughs> like... Yeah. Bray Wyatt took his lunch money, and I don't understand why they didn't have that in in some sort of brawl. It doesn't make sense to me why Jericho would sit two feet across from the guy he wants, whose ass he wants to kick, and not attack him after all the things, after Sister Abigailing him into the locker, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. I've never got that. We, it's something we've always <clears throat> talked about through the years, also, is like, why do you stop a guy in a submission move when you hear his, your opponent, your guy in you know, your feud, or whatever you call it, your, your opponent, other opponent's music? Right. And it comes out, the guy you're in the feud with. Like, why do you, you're having B, why would you stop? And he's got, like, you know, a good 
10, 15 seconds before he gets to the ring. It's a good, you know, it's a good enough time to tap somebody out. Well, and and why would the guy making that run out to attack the guy have his theme music hit? Wouldn't you want to like be inconspicuous and get the drop on him? Wouldn't you want to sneak attack? It's kind of like to me the way I've always thought. Like if some like no, woman, what? what? Yeah. Or like they act like they don't hear the music. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, the the analogy I've used before is like police. I don't understand like if somebody's being attacked or like say a woman's being beat by her husband or something and she calls the cops. I always thought even since I was a kid, I was like, why would the cops come with their sirens blaring and everything? Because that could inf- like incite the guy to be more violent. You know, yeah, he I could think... kill somebody before they, the cops get there. Yeah, I think now they a lot of them do the <clears throat> silent one where it's just like the flashing light. Oh, anyway, that's a different story. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they do. There's, I think they do have, what's TV? You know, it's TV. Yeah, yeah. It's like saying the wrestling, it's like, why is this? But it just happens. It's sure. just a thing, you know? Yeah. Like, why is the referee always, always en- get his count interrupted and he starts over again? Yeah. And why would Brie Bella think that um, Stephanie wouldn't have her arrested? <laughs> yeah, it's like half, uh, that, that's coming. That, that comes a little later. We can talk about that right now, though. It's okay. Cause we so that's pretty much all that happened. There's not really much more to talk about other than Stephanie slapped uh, some chick. Oh, no, was, Claire Lynch. Oh, yeah, it's Claire w- again. WWE's version of Claire Lynch happened. You know what I thought about during that uh, promo? It's funny how TNA, for the most part, rips off WWE angles, ideas, and storylines, and then does a, a cheaper, more... Low rent Bush League Mexican generic cent store. My, yeah Mexican ninety nine cent store version of that angle because WWE does it so much better. On the rare occasion when WWE copies a storyline that TNA did, they do it so much better that it doesn't even matter that they it wasn't an original idea because they did it so much better. Yeah, they even had a picture with with Daniel Bryan and a yeah. physical therapist. <clears throat> but um, but yeah, so basically she got her come you know um, good. Get her eating her comeuppance. Yeah, for sending Stephanie. How dare you send the million, the billion dollar princess to jail? Excited to see uh, that match at SummerSlam, only because I can't wait to see Stephanie manhandle Brie Bella. <laughs> Stephanie has a really good pedigree. She's gonna Stephanie McMahon handle her. Come on! Ah, I just love it. Come on! Oh, no, no. What I happened like, next? I, I, just, I liked it. I just want to give you the silence. Oh, okay. Just so we can have that on holding people in suspense because it's good radio yeah of course um we have heath slater getting another one slater two in a row yeah it's a, <laughs> oh, i wish they'd have left it at that and not had him come out with that stupid cake thing at the end for hulk hogan that Free made cake. no sense whatsoever but uh Sorry. but yeah uh heath slater on a dare i say it roll yeah and he's still coming up but he's still got the same music yeah they need to change that music up it kind of makes me sad yeah um Oh, we forgot. Even Marie B. AJ, but because of a distract- distraction from Paige, because Paige is hot. Yes. That, I mean, that. So, Dis- so is AJ. Distracted but, us. It distracts me all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Paige reads an apology poem, and then and, and, AJ goes crazy on Eva. Yeah. And then uh, Eva sells her win for no reason. <laughs> Selling uh, on the outside, even though she got the pin and rolled out. Yeah, there's a reason she did chant. We can, you can't wrestle on NXT yeah. to her. Um, yes, that happened last week against um, I think it's against Bailey. I think nice. They're not wrong. No. Um, then we had yeah, he's still defeating Dolph Ziggler and Randy Orton taking on Shemos. Shemos. You know what? They have uh, after this off and on again, up and down thing with Ziggler. They have him this close and this got a feud with Miz and on the go home Raw, which by the way I thought top to bottom was an outstanding Raw as far as doing different things to add different texture and get the big matches for the pay per view over. Yeah. Um, 
the go home raw for his shot at the Intercontinental Championship. Dolph Ziggler slips out a banana peel, and gets beat by Heath Slater. I don't see how they can't have him win the Intercontinental Championship, especially if Brock is going to win the world title. They need to give something for the fans to go home happy with, and I think it's about time that uh, well, somebody recognizes the crowd wants him, Dolph Ziggler. Uh, but did you know? Then they saw that what happened at that. I guess everyone's talking about this. Could be a good sign is what happened at the house show with Randy yeah. Orton, where he beat Randy Orton clean. Well, then, yeah, the reports came out that it was just that he was the top babyface, but that's still he could have won, you know, via some kind of fluke or something like that, or you know, just DQ or countout, right? But no, but, they gave him a clean pin, which is a um, could be a good sign, I think. Well, I hope so. Um, testing the waters with some of the audience. I was checking out Scott Hall's Twitter page. Uh, to see what he had to say, his feelings about um, his awesome appearance on Monday Night Raw for Hulk Hogan's birthday celebration. We'll talk about that next. Yeah, and uh, somebody asked him, what do you think of Dolph Ziggler? And he said, very talented, he's money, he's a young Shawn Michaels. And Scott Hall said that. That's pretty good. Yeah. And I was that's like, a pretty good, wow. Uh, that's pretty, rec- that's pretty uh, not a recommendation. A, um, endorsement. Good endorsement, yeah. Endorsement. A hell of an endorsement, because... I mean, who would know better? Shawn Michaels had some of his best matches against Razor Ramon, and Razor Ramon and Shawn being good friends, I mean, I, that's not something I would expect Scott Hall to say lightly. Yeah, and a lot of people have said that, too. I mean, they based on the way he bumps around the ring. And yeah, absolutely. Um, it just got to be just, I mean, there's the thing that goes with being maybe, quote-unquote, the next Shawn Michaels is just don't hurt yourself. Just yeah. Watch, just be careful with the bumps you take. You know what, though? I think that's kind of unfair. I'm glad that WWE is looking out for the health of their performers now. But to chide a guy and label him as uh, like injury-prone injury prone yeah. because they're, they're being more attentive to injuries and concussions now, they weren't so attentive in the 80s and 90s. And when people like Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart came on with the newer high-paced style, who knows how many concussions Shawn Michaels had? Are you kidding me? The Hell in a Cell match with Undertaker where he's falling from the top of the cage to the floor, basically? The... the the casket match that uh, put him on the shelf for five years when he messed up his back. Well, he did have. I mean, they had that. They had that one. Uh, remember the old, those old, um, like attitude, attitude commercials where he had like him say, "I suffered a dozen concussions." Yeah, and then he kept going, and now it's like, "Oh, Dolph's had a couple concussions. He's injury prone. We don't know. He's he might be soft." No, it's just that you're paying more attention to it now. There's probably guys who got as hurt or more than the guys well, now. Well, that's where. A lot of that came from the addictions back then. Yeah, with Jake or people like that, is that you know they didn't want to. There was also a time it was like quote unquote the man's world, you know, where it's like we can't show we don't want, we can't show weakness, we sure. can't show. We can't well, show it wouldn't just toughness. Oh, plus, it's also it's like if we shit if we're off the road, you lose your spot. Yeah, or I'll get pushed down the card, or I'll lose my job. Yeah, so you had to keep going. So I, I wonder if they would have had the same kind of protocols in place now, the same wellness program, the same attention to concussions, the same you know uh, heart monitoring and stuff. How many of the stars of the '80s would have been told you can't wrestle anymore? Would we have? Would Jake the Snake have gotten you know out of 1985? Would, would, uh, would Ricky Rick, Steamboat? Yeah, after the uh, after getting the deeds, yeah, the floor, would they have told him you can't wrestle anymore because brain you know we can't risk brain damage? Right. So I think it's kind of unfair. Like headshots, chair shot, you know, chair chair headshots. Yeah, double edged sword because it's great that they're being more attentive and more careful with the guy's health, but. It sucks because now they're labeling guys as injury prone. When it, I don't think they're getting injured any more frequently or less frequently than they were before. Yeah, but just so now they have you. Well, the hard part is when you have stockholders and things like right. that. You have you have a vulture advertisers. Yeah, yeah, like oh, if you don't do. You know, we can't do that. Well, especially after Chris Benoit, they can't risk 
you know, somebody having so many concussions that they turn their brain into a piece of Limburger cheese and go off the handle and murder their whole family. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're... I mean, there's monitoring that to a, to a degree. Yeah. Basically, you're trying to say. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that, that there's good intention as far as looking after the guy's health, but that's really all it's about. It's a PR move. And so in order to protect your ass, you're going to make sure your guys are healthy and they get the proper recovery time for concussions. Great. But then when they get concussions, don't say, oh, we don't know if we can rely on you because you're injury prone. Probably no more injury prone than any of the guys in the 80s or late 80s, early 90s or at the whole Attitude Era. Yeah. Um, so we ended up – well, so, oh, yeah, by the way, Randy Orton did beat Sheamus. Yes. Um, actually, with a – I think it was a RK out the top rope. Yeah, Sheamus uh, coming off the top oh, rope battering ram, to I do – yeah, I guess a battering ram. Uh, in my opinion, Sheamus should never, ever, ever go to the top rope. No. But uh, unless he's wrestling a guy like Big Show and he has to, like, pull out the stops. No, but then Big Show will pull out Mega Chair again. <laughs> yeah, right? Big show. Him and uh, Mark Henry, the new world's strongest tag team. Are they doing that again? Yeah. Oh, they started that up again? They started it, that on SmackDown. Oh, yeah, because I remember they were saying that they're going to do that and go after the tag when the Shield were there. Yeah. Like, we're going to go after the Shield. And then, like, all the authority stuff happened. I guess that was a way to get rid of him because I think that was when um, Henry got hurt again. Yeah. And became, then became Brock Lesnar's bump dummy. I just love whenever a seven foot four, 400 and uh, like 20 pound now, he's gotten pretty lean. Uh, for as lean as he can get at the like forty five years of age, Big Show and the four hundred plus pound former strongman, you know, weight Olympic weightlifter, world strongest man. <sighs> you know what? We just don't know what to do with either one of you, so we're just gonna slap you together and make a new tag team. That happens. That's why they're called creative. Yeah. Right. They, never mind. Maybe they should win the tag titles from the Usos, and then immediately after that, the Ascension should come up and destroy the Big Show and the World's Strongest Man. Uh, I want the. I can't wait for the Ascension to, if they make it up. That'd be awesome. Yeah, it? I love those guys. Right now, they're doing. They've got a great gimmick going. They are the longest reigning champions in NXT history, and they haven't. No one's beat them yet. They've had like I think biggest thing I've seen so far has been like too cool. But I mean, still, they put over too cool. Put them over. They've just annihilated any other team that's basically gone up, gone up against them. I, I when I first saw him, my first thought was this is demolition, World Warriors demolition, like the 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 return to the Smash Mouth tag yeah. teams. Yeah, I think yeah, and I, I like it a lot. It's over with the crowd. I mean, the crowd. They yeah, some people oh they don't, that's not what they want anymore. It's like they still want those attractions. It's just you can't just put attraction after attraction after right. attraction. Otherwise, it gets it gets lost in the fray and gets boring. Absolutely. So to have like that kind of like you say even like. I think you said one time you're like I don't mind Kali and being in the, on, on the roster because you need that big like lumbering guy like in, like in wrestling the way wrestling is you know you have like the special attract quote unquote special attraction you need the guy that kids are going to come out to and when they run up to the railing or or the you know where the guys are coming down the ramp and they see just how friggin big and and weird looking that guy is they're like whoa <laughs> you need that kind of thing because yeah. now especially with the advent of these smaller wrestlers. Where the top stars, Seth Rollins, Daniel Bryan, just look like regular dudes. Yeah. Like, you need something that draws attention. Well, I was watching something where they had Jake the Snake on. Like, it was, like, on a smaller scale. And he looked like the big show compared to these guys. Yeah, yeah. No, this championship wrestling from Hollywood. It was the red carpet rumble. And, yeah, you don't realize how small the guys out here are. And then Jake the Snake goes in. He's, like, six foot seven, And he's, <laughs> he's towering. He looks like El Gigante. Yeah, or like when I think it was Shelton Benjamin from Mach One Wrestling came out. Yeah, right. No offense, you know. I mean, they had great, you know, uh, Scorpio Sky had great physique and everything, but outstanding match too between the two. But it was like seeing Scorpio Sky versus Scorpio Sky, or it was like seeing Shelton Benjamin versus Shelton Benjamin Mini. Yeah, it was. It just shows like 
because it's weird because we see him on TV like, oh, he's skinny. Yeah, then I you was see them... shocked at how big Shelton Benjamin was. Yeah. That guy was enormous. I mean, you, then we forget you forget for a while he was part of that, that team with Brock Lesnar when you're in Brock Lesnar was jacked, even more jacked. Dude, and at the time, the Shelton Minnesota Benjamin was just as jacked as Brock Lesnar. Yeah, so he slimmed down. That's him slim. Yeah. So, yeah, and that was like a couple years, that was know, what, maybe three years ago now, I want to say? Three or four three years? Three years ago? Three or four years ago. Are you kidding? Brock Lesnar's been no, in no, WWE no, no. for I mean 12 the, years. No, I mean the match with, um, the match with Shelton Benjamin. The, Shelton Benjamin oh, yeah, yeah, like three or four years ago, yeah, yeah. Uh, Center City so, Slam in San Diego. The, and he's about, probably about the same size. Yeah. So, yeah, just saying. Um... Like, it's weird to think that now, like, Scorpio Sky would be the Shelton Benjamin of the roster. And, yeah. and given the size difference, because that's how the wrestling business is trending. It's trending towards smaller dudes. But that's, I wonder, like, if you see someone like Kofi, though, like, how big is he, like, if you see him in person? Oh, yeah, huh? Because it could be like Shelton Benjamin. We could see him, and he's, like, huge. Yeah, I remember, like, I think the first time someone's, I think it was our friend Chris who saw, he said he saw Triple H at the airport one time, like, him and Shawn Michaels getting off the plane, and he said, like, I was shocked how big Triple H was. Yeah. Well, well, we see um, we see Hurricane Helms a lot at, at Comic-Con, and he's a tall dude. I mean, he's kind of narrow. You know, he's built, but he's kind of narrow, kind of like uh, X-Pac. But he's taller than I am, and I'm 6'2". And Ken Anderson was, um, I mean, for being an average, quote-unquote, average-sized wrestler, he was a pretty big dude. Right, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, Al Snow, you know, wants some baby oil with that. <laughs> <laughs> Al yeah. Snow is just in ridiculously jacked shape for a guy his age. Yeah. I mean, for a guy any age, a guy in his 20s would hope to have the body Al Snow has. Yeah, didn't he train MMA guys, too, or something? Yeah, he's a tough dude. Uh, ask a lot of guys back when Al Snow was in the locker room WWE who the legit toughest dude is, the shoot toughest dude in the locker room, and they all sit, and most of them will say Al Snow. Hmm. That's why McFoley, it's amazing McFoley can get away with those with those jokes. Well, I mean, come on, as tough as as Al Snow is, and I mean, probably in a shoot fight, this is cool because this is like uh, Deadliest Warriors or Fantasy Warriors with uh, wrestling. But if they if they were in a shoot fight, probably Al Snow would beat the piss out of uh, McFoley. But McFoley in his prime would take that beating and la- and sit there. <laughs> yeah, it would, and then he'd come back with a piece of barbed wire or, or broken off you know light tube and try to kill Al Snow with it. So. Yeah, and Sid would come back with a squeegee. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... We're, oh yeah, you know what we forgot to talk about? Hulk Hogan's birthday, brother. Well, it's coming up. Oh yeah. It fine. ended the show. Yeah, I thought we were... Oh, we're, we're, see, we're coming back. There we go. Bring it on back. We're bringing it on back. Oh, I thought we weren't done with the Raw thing yet. Yeah, Hulk Hogan's birthday, which was really cool because we get to see you know some beloved people that we always love to see. We got to see Ric Flair come out, pay a tribute. We got to see... Mr. Wonderful, Fran, hit it. No, I didn't mean for you to. No, that's not. That's not what I meant. I. I just meant. No, you're. You misunderstood. I meant for you to just. That was a cut point for you to insert the song, like an actual audio track of the song, not to actually sing the Mr. Wonderful theme song. That's what I meant when I said Fran hit it. I was. Implying that you would produce it later. You, post. You're just assuming I can afford a soundboard here. <laughs> no, no, just in post. It was trickery. Oh. It was it was radio magic. Like if I said, Fran, hit it, and then after we record this, you cut it in and then spliced it. Then people would think that when they listened to it, I said, hit it, and you just played it right then and there, and we looked like we had like all of our our shit together. But now people know that we're just a rinky dink Mickey Mouse operation. Thanks, Fran. We're never making mass operation. If we had that kind of money, oh my god, I think we, we could do with that. Well, I think we at least should count as a Mickey Mouse operation, seeing as how you work at Disneyland. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh boy, I'm gonna go do wrestling. Okay, anyway, I please, if anybody's listening to this, Mike Masters, Bryce Hambarian, 
<laughs> anybody, please use whatever audio uh, service that you have, Audacity. Cut out what Francis just did and send it to David Marquez on Facebook. Or put it on our Facebook, uh, Steel Cage Carnage <laughs> on Facebook, and then share it on David Marquez's page, please. I'm dying to see the feedback. He'll probably be like, you know, you don't sound like it. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> please do Dave Marquez. <laughs> or let me do Dave Marquez. Or... Okay. Well, okay, well, that doesn't even sound like Mickey Mouse, and I know because I worked for 15 years with a guy. <laughs> Yes. So whoever is going to do us the favor of chopping out Franz Mickey Mouse and sending it to Dave can do the same with his Dave Marquez. No, it's okay. Um, anyway, David Coates, maybe can do it. Come on at the wrestling buddies. Or David Coates, you know, maybe. Oh, wait, he can't listen, huh? Uh, uh, well, maybe. He might be listening by now. Oh, He'll yeah. go back and listen. He'll hear this eventually. So anyway, so we had Paul Orndorff, who had the longest entrance, even more than Hulk Hogan. Paul Orndorff must have thought, oh my god, this is the first time I've been on legitimate TV, because I'm not counting WCW, in like 30 years. I better make the most of it, because he, he took the longest entrance, and I think, I think um, what, Layla has a restraining order now. And I think um, it was longer than the Irish Sheik's entrance at WrestleMania 17. Yeah. And we also had uh, Ric Flair was in was there, right? Um, uh, Rowdy Piper, right. which I was uh, that biggest pop of the night in the Portland area, of course. Yeah, exactly. That's right. The first thing I thought was, wow, they're in Portland. Yeah, get a pop. Cause... And then the bad guys, Kevin the Nash. NWO reunion. Everybody's been waiting to see. Everybody's seen Kevin Nash. Knows he's still in phenomenal shape. But the bad guy, Razor Ramon, the Hall of Famer, Scott Hall, the guy who inspired the very band who does our entrance music, the Razor Ramones, first time back on TV in, what, like a decade now? Oh, and after all he's been through and after everything that he's, he's you know, the lowest of the lows and, and his big comeback with Diamond Dallas Page, he looked and sounded phenomenal and the when crowd, they passed the mic yeah. to him and he he took that pause before hey yo that crowd exploded and he was he had him it was wcw nitro again survey time did you guys come to see hulk hogan wear the own red and probably a lot of them did and probably a lot of them marked out to see hulk hogan in the yellow and red but yeah. probably a lot of them also remember the surveys from monday nitro and they were willing to play along and they were uh, or did you come to see him in the black and white of the and they do the nwo hogan rips the shirt off with the nwo shirt underneath yeah and the big wolf pack sign yeah very cool moment Two basically two re- two uh, retro moments for 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 fans, right? Um, well, I, anytime you just see Hogan and just come out to rock, it just seems right. You know, just hearing yeah. real American, not the rip off like NWO theme, yeah. and him looking like Lady Bird, just dejected, <laughs> yeah, just walking out there, hey brother, and pointing and all that stuff, doing the going through the motions. Like he legitimately wants to be there, and he's having fun again. Yeah, like it's just weird. Like they they just like there's like this little fountain of youth thing they have when they go through the. Through the yeah. gorilla position or something, because him and Flair, Flair looks Flair looks way better than he did. Yeah, a couple years ago, Flair looks better than he did. Mean Gene Okerlund starting to he's really looking his age, well, but he's still sucking sounds, the energy off of him. Yeah, he still sounds fantastic though. And Jimmy, the mouth of the South Heart. If that guy ever ages, it'll be a miracle. It'll yeah. just the same. But I was talking to Bryce because if you watch Legends House, you know um, we we're wondering if he's gonna we would actually eat the cake because you know he doesn't eat basically does not eat anything. He's 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 a worse. Like food critic, not critic, but someone who's just like not hardcore a, about his diet. Yeah, like hardcore, like only this certain things, like huh. more than you. <laughs> wow. Okay. He's like he'll like. I remember one time when they had a promo with him. He's like, I only eat, I don't eat hot dogs, hamburgers. This, this, this. I'm like, what the? Fu-? <laughs> like, I think Bryce even messed with. What the? Fu-? 
why do you how do you go out to eat with this guy yeah exactly he's so pissed off <laughs> now like we call like the one of them into a steakhouse and he's like he's like what'd you get they're like what'd you get jimmy's like well i got beans and this and like and a baked potato and i'm like i'm calling box price what the he's at a ste- a very beautiful <laughs> steakhouse where you get like this awesome steak right in front of you wwe's foot in the bill that's funny and you're gonna freaking bake potato that's awesome Ugh. Yeah, man, all those guys look good, and it was a, a great moment. They brought out the big uh, red and yellow cake with the candles that said nine ninety nine. That thing's getting over that nine ninety nine. Yeah, as a matter of fact, how over is it, Josh? Funny story about how over nine ninety nine is. Uh, uh, Francis and myself went to uh, the Angels game last night to see the Angels against the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, I don't know if it's the first time ever, just the first time in a long time that the Phillies were in town for interleague play, but, uh, you know, it was a rare feat, so it was a pretty cool thing. The Fanatic was there, and it wasn't Pete Rose. That's right. In disguise. And we were there thanks to uh, the hookup from our uh, brother in wrestling podcasts, Bryce Hambarian, over at the Wrestling Buddies podcast. Look him up on iTunes with Mike Masters. Uh, Both crews will be... Coming together with, like, the Mega Powers, brother, for SummerSlam. Yeah, well, you know, if we shake, the Earth might explode, brother. Yeah, that's we true. Shake hands. But uh, we were talking about wrestling, because we're apt to do that when we get together. And, um, no! Yeah, and enjoyed a nice come-from-behind win from the uh, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, the team with the second-best record in all of baseball, by the way. And uh, eight-game lead in the wild card in the American League. Thank you very much. Soon to be soon to be first place. Right. Now, Hopefully. Bryce Hambarian, uh, his family has had season tickets right down to the Diamond Club, three rows up from home plate since they landed in Anaheim in 1961. And it just so happened that we were sitting right behind World Series hero from 1992, David Eckstein. 2002. 2002, yeah, my bad. Uh, David Eckstein and his brother, uh, and I think their whole family, <laughs> and um, we noticed it, but we waited till the end of the game uh, to approach him. Uh, he goes to leave as soon as the last outs recorded, and I yelled out to ask him if we could get a picture real quick, which we'll share on the Steel Cage Carnage page because why not? It was fun. Uh, we move over to uh, take the picture with him, and apparently him and his brother had been hearing us talk about wrestling the whole time and with a big smile on his face told us that he was th- about to tell his brother to turn around and let us know that we could catch all the WWE action on the WWE Network for only nine ninety nine. Totally made our night. Thank you, David Eckstein. Yes, David Eckstein, you are invited on this show whenever you want. <laughs> oh, that'd be a fantastic guest to have. I think, I mean, that's kind of, now you know he's a wrestling fan. It's like, wow, you could ever talk, you ever seem like at a signing or just at a yeah. to be like, hey, dude, so what'd you think of Raw or whatever, you know, and, you know, probably go off and talk to you for like the longest time. Because that happens a lot of people when you realize that they're wrestling fans too. You're like, oh my God. And you're yeah, like sitting yeah. there for like an hour talking about wrestling. Yeah, it's just suddenly a connection. Yeah. Uh, but the birthday celebration was cut short because. To kick off the show when Paul Heyman was letting us know what Brock Lesnar was going to do to John Cena at SummerSlam, he also let us know that this ring, this arena, was Brock's house now. And that he was going to take the the soon-to-be champ out to dinner, and when he was to arrive back whenever Brock was done with dinner, he was going to reclaim they? his house. I wonder where he got food. I don't know. John Cena went during his promo, let Brock know he was in his living room, and challenged him. Apparently, Brock was having seconds and or dessert. And so Brock didn't answer the call. But Brock returns with Paul Lesnar. Paul Lesnar? Brock returns with Paul Heyman. Yeah. When did they get married? Yeah, right? It's the Paul Lesnar. Paul Lesnar. Uh, 
They get in the ring, and he eyes down all of the legends one by one. He looks at Flair, who looks like he's about to crap his pants. He looks at Mr. Wonderful, who looked at him like, please don't hurt me, sir. Then he looked at Piper, and classic Pipes, man. Piper just didn't back down at all, just stared daggers right into his eye. And Brock took a little extra time with him and then gave him a little shoulder check. And also, like, the fact that... Yeah, he he went tooth and nail to Thunder the Giant. Like he's not gonna. <laughs> yeah, and he goes to Hogan. <laughs> Funny part about this, I, I don't was... think that this was supposed to be necessarily a humorous segment. Yeah. But as soon as Brock's music hit, if you notice right before they cut to the entryway, Scott Hall hid behind me, Gene Oakland. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Scott Hall's like whatever. <laughs> but um, no, but even but you know, it's like Nash was kind of like looking at him like, all right. All right. <laughs> yeah, well... Uh, well, Nash is a pretty big dude. Yeah. Very good shape in his own right. Sure, but, I mean, it's Brock Lesnar. Yeah, Brock Lesnar would probably kill everybody. Unless, like, Haku was in the ring or something. I and, don't know. And, I'd, I'd go get Haku. And big, bad Brock Lesnar steps up and Best hits in Hulk Hogan's face, the immortal Hulk Hogan, and says, Party's over, Grandpa. Real intimidating. Of, the, of his own? Yes, of his own. Um, but, of course... The next generation of yellow and red, the reincarnation of Hulk Hogan 20, 30, 25 years later, John Cena runs off Brock Lesnar, and they continue the birthday celebration with He's Hulk a Hogan. Yeah. With- well, it's, it's actually a cool thing they do that is the fact he literally is pretty much a hired hand by the authority. Right. He's not going to get it. He's not going to get his hands dirty for not for free. Yeah. And then in one of what I think is the best ribs I've ever seen in my life, oh. the Hulk Hogan celebration <laughs> where model. during his classic flex down, they dropped about 16 tons of confetti on the ring at the same I think time. There's like a whole bunch of just fell right on the, uh, <laughs> yeah. on the announcers. Cause they were like, you couldn't even, they did a, a wide shot of the audience. You couldn't even see the ring. There was so much confetti coming down. At some point, I just started laughing. I'm like, this is a rib. Oh, God. You hear, I know you hear Tony, well, not Tony, um, JBL blaming Tony Chimmel. And like, yeah. Some, but I think they actually were probably <clears throat> drowned. Like a whole patch just fell on their head. It's pretty funny. It was yeah. pretty funny. But, uh, do we want to go into SummerSlam now, or do you want to talk about... I well, really see before Smackdown, we get so. to SummerSlam, yeah, we'll skip SmackDown, because all the stuff gets caught up on Raw anyway, other than, like, Adam Rose, which I wish we could see on Raw, um, and Bo Dallas, who we didn't see on Raw. Um, Inspirational muggle. Hashtag, it happened. It happened? It finally happened. I gotta give TNA some credit. They've done a hell of a job building up to this moment. Uh, there, I'd seen a few naysayers online uh, wondering why they would spoil... Uh, the fact that Bubba or Bully Ray did put Dixie through a table and tease up to it. Why? Because it's brilliant. Because everybody in the world who's a big wrestling fan already knows because of the internet. And because everybody wanted to see Dixie Carter go through the table. And so. Well, it's like the effect of um, that Nitro thing with, with yeah. Mick Foley was, oh, I guess what? Mick Foley's winning the title. Hey, I like Mick Foley. It was and one of the first. Yeah, it was one of the first times I've seen TNA in a long time build up to something properly. And that atmosphere that they had at the Manhattan Center is a good atmosphere. They might want to look into making that they're a regular more, thing. Yeah, they're having more more tapings. Yeah. Um, just depend. I guess go see what happens right. still with the uh, TV deal. With me and. They're saying, like, with the Spike uh, president showing up, that's a good sign. So, yeah. I really, I mean, as much as people hate TNA or someone's it, it's good that they're around because sure. there's somewhere else to go. Maybe it's not the competition WCW was, but it's an alternative, and they're what they're doing now is what they need to do is show that they are an alternative. They're not, like we said earlier, like, they're not just recycling everything WWE does and, you know, giving you a more watered-down version of it. Right. So they have the entire locker room surround the ring. Tommy Dreamer, the and uh, 
Devon, I believe, the ECW guys, yeah. drag Dixie out and stuff her into the ring where they have the table set up. Devon picks Dixie up, puts him onto Bubba Ray's shoulders, who's sitting on the top turnbuckle, and Bubba Ray jumps off, much like he did May Young 10 years ago on SmackDown off the stage, and protected the hell out of Dixie. I mean, she was cushioned with Bubba's thighs the whole time. Bubba took all that on his ass, except for the fact that when the they fairness. landed... Yeah, except for the fact that when they landed, he, he sort of whipped her down, their, her upper part, like her neck and her head, down onto the mat by accident. Probably is what resulted in those two broken bones in her back. Probably. But you know what? As, as critical as I am of the TNA product, I wish them to do well. And I got to say... Oh, we were uh, Rachel and I were getting ready to turn on the WWE Network and watch some things because it's available for only nine ninety nine. I don't know if anyone's told really? you that. Really? Yeah, nine ninety nine. Oh, you get, on get that. all of the pay per views that have ever been, including the current pay per view, which this month is SummerSlam with Brock Lesnar versus <laughs> John Cena. I love it, Michael. Yeah, nine ninety nine. So, um, sorry. So we were getting ready to turn on the network, and we saw on TV just it happened to be that it was getting ready to happen. So we stopped and turned it on, and I got to say. It's pretty fun to watch Dixie Carter get powerbombed through a table. I think I have it. I still want my DVD. I'm going to have to go watch it. Yeah, you're going to have to watch it. It was good. Big pop from everybody. Everybody <clears throat> that was around the ring seemed to look legitimately happy. It was the first time I've seen people on TV working for TNA that I'm looked happy. legitimately happy. And the thing, too, is um, after this, I guess she's been selling it, which is good. She hasn't, at the taping, she hasn't come out. She's been in the backstage. I think that's where she needs to stay. I think this should have been the angle. If they really want to be serious about changing the direction of TNA and pushing it, and to their credit, they've had steady increases in their ratings uh, this whole summer, which is great because they did a good job of promoting it. I'm glad to see it's working. Uh, Dix, that should have been the thing that wrote Dixie off of TV for good. We need this, That needed to be the end of the Dixie Carter on-camera character because... It was just a perfect way to send her off. Yeah. Neither have her, like, for, like, ceremonial things like a Hall of Fame or... No, we're not even right. that because Vince doesn't even come out for the Hall of Fame, if I, if I reckon. Right. If I reckon. Yeah, if you I, reckon. If I reckon. And you know who was not on uh, Monday Night Raw and who will not be at SummerSlam this Sunday? Alberto. Del Rio. That's right, because apparently... That's right. Did you say that's right? That's right. That's right. Because apparently he did not feel that his destiny was to clear somebody's plates for them uh, that worked in the back <laughs> for WWE social media oh. and decided to let them know that by slapping them across the face. What of course, slap, what if he slapped Joey Styles? <clears throat> well, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> you know, not the thing that you can really do considering the fact that um, you know, they have a whole "don't be a bully" campaign. You know, and wasn't he a part of it? Yeah, I think he was. Don't and be he had, a bully campaign. And so he and goes he and slaps. Father, be a father one, too, I think they had. Yeah. So he goes and slaps some backstage well, worker. He didn't slap, we didn't slap a kid, so, you know. No, but he slapped, uh, quote, unquote, a civilian. Somebody who yeah. he's probably bigger and stronger than and who probably couldn't defend themself if they tried to fight back. Especially but Alberto Del Rio, who has MMA training. Right. So Alberto Del Rio, gone. Fired from the company. Uh, apparently he's going back to Mexico. Uh, there was a lot of rumor leading up to this that uh, he wasn't going to resign his contract, that he's been unhappy in WWE for a while, and that he was like looking at going back to Mexico and or away. just retiring outright. Um, it's a shame. It's a loss for WWE because Alberto Del Rio is a fantastic performer, and uh, you know I enjoyed his matches. But uh, you can't friggin' it, That's stupid. You can't go around slapping backstage people because they made some kind of stupid racist joke now i will say you know firing him was a good move on wwe's part uh similarly 
Bellator fired that jackass that calls himself War Machine or Warhammer or World of Warcraft or whatever he is, <laughs> who decided to beat the hell out of his girlfriend and nearly kill her. Yeah, but uh, but on a, but if you're in the NFL, that's a uh, a one game suspension, probably. right? Uh, Alberto, that's a slap on the wrist. Maybe Alberto Del Rio and uh, War Machine can both get walk on contracts with the Raiders. <laughs> probably. Well, he's Mexican. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, if you look at the. I think that the guy who made the racist comment should also be punished. Oh, yeah. He should be suspended at least, if not also fired. Yeah, because, I mean, that's what led to it and being ignorant. Yeah, joking is one thing, but, I mean, even at least the story that came out, if you believe this part, you know, part of it, because you can never take everything on the Internet for face value, is that uh, one of the backstage people made a joke about clearing his plate and said it was Del Rio's job. Ha, 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 Mexicans wash dishes. And uh, <laughs> when Del Rio confronted him about it, he smugly smiled in his face, and Del Rio slapped the smile off of his face. So while I can't condone what he did, I got to say that I can understand why he did it. And um, certainly the guy that thought it was cool in a publicly traded company that has investors, that has advertisers, that has a Be a Bully campaign, um, probably should have something happen to ma- learn a lesson. It's not cool to make stupid hack racist jokes. Yep. Now, clever racist jokes... <laughs> Those are different stories. Well, you can leave that for Vince and like on TV with the with right. You know, yeah, that, that's not your role, or you know whatever. <laughs> if you're good, good buddies with Alberto Del Rio, like that'd be one thing. But to just say that in that environment is pretty stupid and pretty irris- uh, irresponsible. Yeah, um, but now he'll be on Triple Mania, I guess. So the, the next thing for AAA. Yeah, I guess so. And Ro- Ricardo Rodriguez coming out on Twitter saying that he's got the 90-day no-compete, but as soon as that's over, he will also be going to AAA. So oh, that should so be interesting. Re- uh, reunion. Maybe. Maybe Hope, so. We'll see. Um, so you want to move on to SummerSlam? SummerSlam, yes, or sir. Or Jeremy Piven says SummerFest. <laughs> yeah. I'll bring that back. SummerSlam, big card Summer coming Slam up. Fest. It's the WrestleMania of the summer in Big L.A. Once again, at the Staples Center, once again. Hey, but no access this year. That's true, but they do have Q and A's panels, much like they would have at Comic Con. Go figure. I did hear a rumor a while back that WWE was considering putting together a touring convention like WonderCon, but all wrestling, kind of like Access but on the road. That'd be kind of cool. I mean, because especially since the way they would do it now would be like the quote unquote sessions, and that's like that's not cool. I mean, it's for them it makes them more money, but if they can do it that way and they just have like certain signings that day at that area, that's different. Sure. Because here it was like, oh, you can, you you want to see. So and so, but the other one, another wrestler A is here at three o'clock. Wrestler B is at the B se- at the five o'clock session, but you can't go to that one because you only have the four o'clock. You know, it kind of gets a little. One of the things I thought was funny was um, was uh, on Sean Waltman uh, Xbox Twitter account. Somebody was asking him about his appearance and what, what time his panel was going to be. He's not on a panel at SummerSlam, so he started demanding to know who said. He was on a panel, probably because he's used to crooked promoters on the indie scene, you know, advertising people for matches when they were not uh, confirmed to be there yet to sell tickets. Yeah. But uh, he was demanding who uh, who said they were going to be there. Even tweeted later that he called WWE's talent relations department to confirm that he was not supposed to be there. But I found that to be really funny because if he wants to know whose fault it is and who said he was going to be there. It's WWE's fault because when they showed the commercial for the sessions at SummerSlam, one of the first clips that they show is the yeah. wolf. It's is uh, NWO uh, Nash Hall and Six Pac answering questions in a Q and A session. Oh. So it leads te- people to believe, even though at the end they say who's doing the panels and what time, and X Pac and the NWO are not on it. 
just the fact that you showed the three of them would lead somebody justifiably to believe, oh, the NWO is going to be there. Oh, okay. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, you can do, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. That yeah. was an insightful analysis about no, what I was um, just talking about, Francis. No, what would I do no, without it is you? WWE, I mean, because people don't, people, a lot of people, I'm sorry, they don't read. <laughs> yeah. It, that's that's what it comes down to. A lot of people just don't want to pay attention because it's on TV, it's in the background, or you look up for a second, oh, shoot, NWO, and they go back and they go, yeah. Access, were they going to be there? And then, you know, you look around and... DX is going to be there, too. Yeah, that's just somebody not paying close enough attention. But also WWE's fault for not knowing their audience enough to know that they're they're going to see a picture of somebody. If, if you're going to have an event, it'd be like having a commercial for Raw coming to Anaheim and showing John Cena all over, giving the salute and stuff, when you know John Cena's not going to be there, you know, if he's off filming or if he's hurt or whatever. Yeah. Because even though he's not advertised and you don't say he's going to be there, you show his picture and it gets in people's minds and they want to see him and they think he's going to be there. You're just asking for disappointed appointment, pointed fans. You're asking for disappointed? Yeah, you're asking for disappoint. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Internet, for that. <laughs> um, so, SummerSlam, the wrestling of the summer. Oh, yes. Here we go this with the big main you. event. We talked about John Cena, Brock Lesnar. Fran, your pick. I'm saying Brock Lesnar. I'm all saying the way. Brock Lesnar all the way too. Yeah, um, it's obvious it's going to happen. Just the way he's just been tearing through everybody, and again to have something to way uh, to build up somebody else um, to be the man who beat John, who, the, to beat the guy who beat John Cena sure. in the street, uh, and also they point out all these other legends of Hulk Hogan, The Rock, um, yeah, you know Undertaker. So yeah, they make him unstoppable, uh, and whoever beats him. I gotta think Roman Reigns because as much as I I could see and would love to see Daniel Bryan come back and get that hero's return, David and Goliath, I just don't know if I could ever believe that Daniel Bryan could beat Brock Lesnar. Yeah, unless it's like the, the chair and right, like bricks and um, you know baseball bat and right a tank. And... You you referenced it earlier, lumberjack match with Dean Ambrose <laughs> and Seth Rollins, former members of the Shield. Who do you got? Because to me, this could go either way. Seth Rollins could win dirty, or they could have Dean Ambrose finally get the win and try to move Rollins onto something else. Maybe have um, you know? Uh, I think they, they. I think because he's money in the bank holder, they're going to have Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is going over. Yeah, I think just. I mean, I think Dean Ambrose is going to get his licks in. He's going to have the memorable parts of this of the match, but in the end, it's going to be Seth Rollins with the standing tall with the. Uh, much I wish it would be Dean Ambrose, but it'll be Seth Rollins standing tall with the Money in the Bank contract. I would be happy to see Seth Rollins win dirty, not clean, only if, if and only if, it's going to keep going and this isn't the blow off and they're going to do something else because ultimately I think well, Dean actually, Ambrose has to get the comeuppance. Technically, I think it's their actual first match. Yeah, it really is. And if they're starting. First match at last pay per view, but end up being thrown out because of the brawling. Right. And if they're starting with a, a lumberjack match, they could always build up to a street fight. They could always build up to a Hell in a Cell, even. Um, so. I would be okay with Rollins winning. If this is the match that's going to blow everything off, though, Roll- uh, Ambrose has to win. I just don't know. I th- I'm, I'm inclined to think you're right. I'm inclined to think Rollins is probably going to get the dirty win. Yeah, and we got Miz and Dolph Ziggler for the Inter- Intercontinental Championship. If, if to me, I hope I want Z- how much I love the Miz. I want Ziggler. I yeah, Miz has been fantastic in the the new revised Miz character since coming back, um, and I'm usually. More of a fan of a heel champion and a babyface challenger. It is time, though. It is time for Dolph Ziggler to take that Intercontinental title and show everybody what he can do. I think with so it. now, especially like what well, we've said before, like a lot of other, like people getting injured or getting fired. Right. Um, you know, but we need to push up some people. There's and... no reason Dolph couldn't be a top guy. Yeah, exactly. People love him already. Yeah, yeah he's got charisma, ooze, oozing charisma all over. 
all over. Um, yeah, oozing charisma. Yeah, 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 charisma. Uh, <laughs> and he's a great, you know, good wrestler. Right. Just the way he bumps is, like we've said, it's a young Shawn Michaels, and he's got the tools. Just let him do it. Yep. I think. And um, we also have Randy Orton versus Roman Reigns. I think Reigns has to win. Yeah, right, the way they've been pushing to. him, uh, beating two guys, beating Kane in a, no, uh, a last man standing match. I don't think there's any way Reigns doesn't win this. No, one. and they got to build Reigns and Rain, <clears throat> another guy to need to keep building on. They can't. This guy, you can't let him lose momentum. Right. Absolutely. I hope guys have become Ryback. Yeah. And which we just saw the revert, four rolls reverse now. Sure. Um, AJ Lee against Page. I really in a, um, in a my fantasy match. I would really like to see Paige win this dirty because I think I like to anything Paige. Never mind. You know where I'm going with this. You know. I think uh, getting her over more and solidifying her as a heel because people still really like her, and of course they do. She's hot as hell, and she's really good in the ring. Really good in the ring. This is going to be an outstanding matchup. But I really like to see Paige come away with a dirty win, and then have crazy AJ attacking her, kind of doing the Dean Ambrose crazy versus thing. crazy. Yeah, chasing her down for that title. I hope they have one of the longest and most memorable feuds and trade new, that title back and forth over the next couple of years. Or the new, uh, the new Trish Lita, <clears throat> yeah. basically. Um, so after that, we have Jack Swagger taking on Rusev in a flag match, which I think we talked about this actually last week. Yeah, we did. Uh, Swagger has to win. This angle doesn't have any more legs on it, I don't think. Swagger's got to get old glory, got to defend America, and this will allow him to get the win and get a bit of a rub on Rusev without Rusev having to actually take a loss. So yeah, uh, they still have right. They still have Rusev strong and and be able to push him against uh, perhaps a program with with Cena. Maybe Rusev even ha- costs Cena the belt, and that's how they move into that program. Because you heard Brock Lesnar uh, on Raw say he will do. He want, came back because he wanted to be WWE champion. He will do anything to be champion. He doesn't care how it gets done, but it will get done. That reminded me of the promos that Stone Cold Steve Austin cut before WrestleMania X7 that kind of tipped... WrestleMania of all time. Right, in my opinion, too. That kind of tipped my hat to the fact that he was probably going to turn heel. Didn't know necessarily he was going to join forces with Vince McMahon, but that he was going to show his vicious side and do whatever needed to be done to beat The Rock. And he did. He basically signed a deal with the devil and <clears throat> and sided with Vince McMahon. Right. Um, after that, we have Brie Bella taking on Stephanie McMahon in the sing- that singles match, which, has, was ha- which, by the way, two out of the last three Raws closed the show. Yeah. I have to give Stephanie McMahon all the credit in the world. She's managed to do something nobody else on the planet ever has and that I thought that nobody else on the planet ever could. She made me interested in Brie Bella match. Like, <laughs> I actually am interested to see this match. My problem with it is story-wise, I don't see how... Well, I do see how, actually. I'll admit that. Um, Brie can't beat Stephanie. It's not believable on any level that Brie could beat Stephanie. Stephanie's bigger, I she's stronger. Be, I think they might do a thing where it's help from... Um, uh, what's the other brother's name? Nikki Belly. That's what I was just going to say, yeah. is that Steph- she can't beat Stephanie. She's going to have to uh, find a way to win to where she stays sympathetic, having Nikki Bella turn on her, and then... What I think is, I've been saying for months that I would love to see John them do a thing with John Cena, where, you know, he comes out and he says, "I've given you guys everything when you've booed, when you've said this," and I kind of think they planted the seed maybe a little bit for this on Monday. You know, I hear Cena sucks. I hear you can't wrestle. If they cheer Brock Lesnar beating him, which they might because it's L.A., it's a smart crowd who will probably you know just crap on Cena just to do it, uh, and then Nikki turns. They could really have John Cena like having an identity crisis and wondering, like Sting in WCW before he went like full on crow. Uh, you know, 
I do, I do all this stuff for everybody. Why do I even bother? Because I bust my ass. I do all the media. I work hard. I'm first here, last to go. And no matter what, these people don't like me. You know? And not turn heel, but just kind of play with that a little bit. You know, with Dark Christina. I Yeah, I'd love to see it. <clears throat> I think so. Just, you know, I guess for them, it'd be just going to make sure he can sell the, sell the toys. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and the merch. Um, he's still the number one merch seller, guys. As much as we want to say, oh, Cena sucks or whatever. He's still the number. He's yeah. still. He's making the money while you're sitting in your basement. That's right. Um, he just made money right now. Yep. Bray um, Wyatt versus Chris Jericho. Thank you. Um, oh, I I think with this, Bray's got to win. I yes, think. Bray has to win. This is the second of their second match. Bray has to win. Bray has to win so that he can gloat and say, "I beat your savior. I didn't have the guys at ringside. It was just me. I told you this was going to happen. I, follow me. You know. Yeah. I mean. And Jericho loses nothing by putting over Bray Wyatt, but no, I think... Jericho knows he's in that role now. He's that right. Shawn Michaels role. And I think that as popular as he is and as over as he is, Bray Wyatt still is not yet at that bulletproof level to where he can continue to lose every single feud he has. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he lost pretty much every match with John Cena. At some point, someone's got to put him over and give him a rub so that he's, like, a legitimate top guy. Yeah, and Jericho's the guy that, one of the guys to do it. Right. But like, yeah, like you said, he's that Shawn Michaels role of if he he can lose a match and nobody, I mean, that look, he he lost a Fandango at WrestleMania, and no one, and no one batted an eye. Right, exactly. So him putting over Bray Wyatt would make sense and it would be believable, and I would really like to see it. And I think it's going to be a hell of a matchup, especially the, just anything Bray Wyatt does with his promos and especially that one one on one promo, just hit, just him and Jericho's face and Jericho just coming back with like that one little yeah, you know, that sister Abigail in the locker was really awesome. Oh god, that was sick. And then the only other match is that the main event, Cena and Brock Lesnar, which I think is going to be brutality at its most brutal. I think it'll be a pretty brutal match. Yeah. Um, I would, I would I expect know. to see Crimson. You think so? You think I think so. You think they'll let it go? for? Uh... I think Brock is going to brutalize Cena more than he did at Extreme Rules. We'll see. Um, yeah. It's, But I still see, no matter what, I see Brock Lesnar on top. Yeah. And but the, after that, though, where does that leave Seth Rollins? I want to know. Well, Seth Rollins, got to remember, uh, they don't do the Money in the Bank at WrestleMania anymore, so he doesn't have to cash it in by WrestleMania. He could conceivably have it after WrestleMania. And try and cash it on whoever wins from Brock. And cash it in on Roman Reigns. And, and you know, it would, shield. it'd be natural, yeah, because of the Shield. So I think that they'll have him hold on to it. I think it's more interesting. He needs all the help, in my opinion, he can get. I know a lot of people are high on him. I don't see it. But the only thing that has intrigue is that he's got the Money in the Bank thing. And if Brock wins... I mean, if Cena wins, but Brock beats the holy hell out of him, I could see him cashing it in at SummerSlam. You know, kind of like Triple H screwed uh, John, yeah, last Daniel year. Bryan last year. But uh, I just don't see Brock not winning. But I could see them being patient. Brock dropping the belt to Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns, you know, uh, the whole um, Money in the Bank thing. As a matter of fact, I could even see Brock or uh, Roman Reigns beats Brock Lesnar. They both beat the absolute hell out of each other at WrestleMania 31. Bra- or, uh, Roman Reigns barely wins. He barely overcomes the one that beat the one. Paul Heyman's in shock. Brock Lesnar's spent. Roman Reigns is spent. Seth Rollins cashes in at WrestleMania. Because one of the, they, they claim that Seth Rollins is so smart, he's an architect. One thing I've never understood is no one. there's not going to be any bigger fight for the title than at wrestlemania why hasn't anyone cashed it in at wrestlemania why wouldn't you wait until somebody gets the holy hell beat out of him on the biggest stage of all 
then cash it in. I could see them maybe have Seth Rollins do that, and then Roman Reigns beat Seth Rollins also to really put him over the top as the next guy. Yeah, like with the to get that huge Superman punch out there. Yeah, that everyone. I love that Superman punch. Yeah, because I could see him winning. Everybody's exploded, right? Everybody thinks Roman Reigns. He's the next guy. Seth Rollins comes out, and they get that sick feeling because they remember SummerSlam. They remember Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Oh no. Seth Rollins, the authority is going to screw him. And then when Roman Reigns hits that Superman punch out of nowhere and gets the pin, Roman Reigns is a made man. Yes. And that's what they're looking at right now. That guy has he's a guy with that, who's got those tools that just needs to be um, sharpened or polished, if, if you want to say. Um, and he's fine-tuning them every week. That promo he cut on Raw, I really liked that he took his time. He wasn't afraid to let some seconds pass and while he formulated what he was going to say. Uh, there were several times in the promo where I thought, just stop there, just stop there. Dan, dan, dan. No, why are you still talking? <laughs> but uh, but he's getting better, and I think that he could end up being, geez, just a superstar. Jeez. Yeah. Um, yeah, I th- I think he's one of the things that are the future of this of the company. Right. He's like that new, um, who would be like, she said Ambrose would be like the Piper. Um, what would you equiv- equivalent, equivalent, is that right? Equivalent, um... Roman Reigns? Roman Reigns, too. Like you could uh, say, maybe a more talented version of the next Ultimate Warrior. Because hmm. he's just a big, muscular badass who just high intensity kills everybody. Um, yeah, he did say, well, he does say like stuff like, you know, he said, like, what was it, three on four, they don't have enough men. Yeah. Yeah, stuff like that where he's, I don't care. Bring yeah, him on. Yeah, exactly. He's like the Hulk. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited to see uh, him get really good. And Bray Wyatt's only going to get better. It's a, it's a pretty good time to be a WWE fan right now. I yeah, because you're seeing the future right now. Right. Like they say on NXT, where they all came from, the future is now. Yes. The roar of the crowd. Drop <laughs> your feet. Do it loud. I don't know. So, um, so. Y- you guys need to let us know who you think is going to come away from SummerSlam. Do you think Brock Lesnar is going to be the WWE World Heavyweight Champion? Or do you think John Cena is going to overcome and beat the Beast Incarnate? Do you think... Dolph Ziggler will finally win the big one and come away with the Intercontinental Championship, or do you think The Miz will retain in his hometown of Los Angeles with his wife and his kid and his daughter and his nephew and his next-door neighbor and his mailman and the chick that pours his coffee at Starbucks? You get the idea. They're all going to be ringside? Yes. Oh, okay. Do you think Brie Bella gets the comeuppance on The Authority and Stephanie McMahon? Does Nikki turn on her? Who knows? Let us know what you think on the Facebook page, Steel Cage Carnage. Also on Twitter, at Fanboy Nation SCC and Instagram at Steel Cage Carnage. Did I forget any of them? Email SteelCageCarnage at gmail.com. You got it all. There we go. Very cool. Uh, also, we will be having uh, the panel from Comic Con with Mr. Anderson uploaded soon to the uh, Steel Cage Carnage Facebook page. Stay tuned for that. Uh, hopefully, that'll be coming in the next week or so. And now, as we started off the show and mentioned, um, you know, diverting from wrestling just a little bit, but not really. Um, <laughs> of course, all of us still reeling from the unfortunate um, yeah. death of the great Robin Williams. Uh, I have been a stand-up comedy fan since I can remember. I'm 33 years old now. I'm going to be 34 in December. And as long as I can remember having uh, been cognizant of television, I've been a stand-up comedy fan. But more than that, also, like I was telling Rachel earlier today, um, Rachel, who's the, uh, of course, my girlfriend and the artist of the Massacre Twins webcomic. Make sure to check out themassacretwins.com. Yeah, and facebook.com slash themassacretwins. <laughs> Meant to do that earlier, sorry. Um, one of my earliest memories of TV, TV played a huge role in my growing up. Uh, really couldn't tell. Yeah, right? In my childhood. Um, my mom, single mom, working to raise me. Uh, TV was my entertainment. 
And one of the things that sticks out most vividly in my mind is being captivated by this alien who landed on Earth in an egg <laughs> in a big red suit with an upside-down triangle who spoke nanu-nanu. <laughs> and the really pretty brunette who I was in love with as like a, a five- and six-year-old, <laughs> Pam Dauber, Mork and Mindy, Robin Williams, man, what what an absolute talent, what an absolute loss, and what a sad, sad story. And um, one that kind of speaks to my heart with uh, depression running in my family. Um, it's, there's so much misconception out there. There's been a lot floating around the Internet and a lot of really damaging, irresponsible, ignorant stuff. Um, so I want to encourage anybody who's listening to this to please get yourself educated. You might have friends who are battling the same kind of things that Robin Williams battled and not know it because generally people with depression, like Robin Williams, it put does. on a good face. Yeah, and they don't uh, they don't necessarily let on that things are are miserable for them and that they they feel such hopelessness and pain and they kind of try to bottle all that in because you know there's a tremendous amount of guilt that comes along with it. So. Um, Try to be attentive and look for the signs. Just try to be there for people you care about. If you have these kinds of feelings or these kinds of thoughts, talk to somebody. It really does help. Uh, I can speak from experience. Um, it's just there's a lot of really cool things to enjoy in this world. And uh, it really be a shame if some of you weren't around here longer than as long as you could be to help enjoy it with all of us. Yeah. And with Ron Williams, for me, it started actually with... Um with Popeye the movie. It was one ah. of the one of the movies that um I I always talk about like what movies I always watch I was like, oh yeah, I watched a lot of Star Wars and like <laughs> Superman two and things like that. But one of the movies I also watched a lot of was Popeye. Yeah, oh my god. And you know Room for the, Rink. Yeah, I knew the songs and you know um I was I mean, telling Rachel, I must have seen that movie 50 times, because it seems like when we were a kid, didn't they show it like on the weekends almost every weekend for um, a couple of years? Yeah. Almost, like Channel 13 on Channel 5 all all the time during yeah, the summers. Yeah, like I remember I recorded once and watched it almost every day, too. It yeah. Was, it, it's a movie that's, I don't know if it's, if you look, if it were to show it to somebody now who hasn't seen it, who has no idea, I don't know if they'd get it, but for some reason for us, for us it, it struck a chord with us. Right. And it's it's amazing to me, because if you look at his career, it really kind of parallels us growing up. Like he started off doing stand up and he got known for his kind of crazy wild, you know, mile a minute, uh, stream of consciousness kind of rapid fire machine gun comedy and, and voices and characters and all this silly stuff. The genie, come on, man. Yeah. That's like then he went on to do comedies and uh you know was just hilarious and everything he was in the genie like you just mentioned in uh, aladdin vietnam. good morning vietnam which, makes which comedy and drama right and um, then went on i mean goodwill hunting i mean even for comedy mrs doubtfire uh dead poet society is one of my favorite movies of all time yeah um he did some horror he did like what insomnia where he was a criminal he did um if you guys have never seen one hour photo, one hour photo is an amazing movie, <clears throat> and it's a not even. It was a, I remember why the only reason I heard about it was because it was in Fangoria of all things, right? And it, and it was a movie that wasn't scary, but it's very creepily done, right? Right, it's very spooky. Yeah, and, based and, on a Stephen King novel. Yeah, and Robin Williams' performance is awesome in that movie. I mean, just play, playing just this lowly like yeah. photo- Photoshop. Um, oh, I'm I'm sorry, I'm talking about Insomnia still. No, no, I was talking about, no, yeah, I mean, um, oh, uh, one hour, hour photo. photo, yeah, and it's it's a very riveting. It's very it's I, something about it. Like you just you're just so fascinated to yeah. watch and see this guy's life. And then more recently, how lonely he is. You know, y- yeah. which is weird because it talks about how he's such a lonely person. He wants yeah. to be a part of the a part of this family that keeps coming in and bringing their vacation photos and. I, 
you know, trying to make friends with the with the sun and things like that. And it's a shame because you can't help but think that that element that was inside him that allowed him to tap into that darkness to play those roles so so entertainingly and convincingly. I mean, even more recently, his turns on uh, guest starring on an episode of Law and Order SVU and uh, Louis uh, just last yeah, wasn't season. Was the one where they talk about like, oh, if you go going first. to each other's funeral? Yeah. yeah. And um, just an immensely talented, but more importantly than his talent in his movies and whatnot, by all accounts, it's very rare in show business. It's very rare in comedy, especially, because it's it, at times like wrestling can be a backbiting business. Um, it's rare that you have somebody over the course of like 40 years who nobody, zero people uh, that knew him had a bad thing to say about him. Everybody to a man and woman who has met him have only regaled the internet and people they know this week with tales of how warm and giving and loving and caring and humble uh, Robin Williams was, um, would come to comedy clubs and improv clubs in uh, the Los Angeles area and just pop in and announced to come play because he had a playful spirit. Come play with some other people who wanted to play and have fun and also know, like, not come in as a big shot, not come in, you know, acting like a big star that he was and he could have legitimately done, but also being aware of the fact that by just showing up and getting on stage with these young kids, these people who are working out their stuff and still learning the craft and still trying to make their way in comedy, by getting on stage and playing these games with them, they just made a memory for them that they're going to take with them for the rest of their lives and just real generous with his time. Uh, real generous with his praise, and uh, it's just the the world not as cool a place, not not as nice a place in all aspects without Robin Williams in it. Um, can only hope that with all the troubles that he had throughout his life, with all of the the things that he must have suffered, that um, and wherever he is now, in however form he is, he's got that peace, and he's not you know burdened with the same things he was on this earth yeah I mean, um yeah like said, by all <clears throat> it sounds like a guy who was just off it's like generally good guy to everybody and like you said it's 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 not so obvious when someone has depression as you can see like i mean it's no secret that it does go through a lot of those comedy circuits a lot of people yeah. do suffer from the same in, to in different all, degrees in all creative realms i mean even professional wrestling remember a few years ago uh chris canyon yeah. Uh, killing himself and and hearing later that he had told certain people like James James Mitchell years before that he knew he was going to kill himself one day because the, just the inter, the inner torment was was too painful and for anybody who thinks it's a selfish act you really need to to work on getting yourself educated because you're you can have that opinion if you want but be aware that you don't understand you don't know what you're talking about and by blurting that opinion out clumsily you could be doing a lot of harm to some people who are battling with some of those same feelings that Robin had and and they've already deal with enough guilt without you chastising them and making them feel judged so uh if you really want to see less of this kind of thing try compassion try love uh and try understanding that sometimes medicine doesn't help sometimes the pill shoving a pill down your throat's not an answer um sometimes people just it, depression's a fight. Yeah, it's pro- like addiction. Yeah. It's like cancer. It's a fight, and sometimes people lose the fight. And for the cure, pills <laughs> do run out. You know, right? And, and become ineffective at times, yeah, especially with mental health. Yeah, because if you, it's, it's it's like with any drug or anything, like after you take a while, you just don't feel the sure. effect anymore because your body's so used to it. So, yeah, it's it's a, it's a hard thing this week, you know. Yeah, for people to deal with, and you know, especially a lot of people like felt like he was a part of their lives, right? And so even, like, people who don't even know him, like, everyone's like, I can't, I've, I've seen statuses from people who are like, I can't stop crying, or yeah. I can't believe a part of my childhood is gone, and unfortunately, someone brought this up, um, 
a coworker brought this up and said, you know, we're going to see so many icons in our, almost, like a paraphrase, we're going to see so many parts of our childhood pa- yeah. fade away. It's starting to chip off little by little when they showed the, the Hulk Hogan video on Monday Night Raw for his birthday. Rachel said, this almost seems like a memorial video. It's almost sad in a way. Well, it choked you up. And then when you see... Like, arguably, his two most memorable feuds, Macho Man Randy Savage and The Ultimate Warrior, are both not here anymore. Could you, giant. could you have imagined 20 years ago uh, us living in a world where there's the Ultimate Warrior and the Macho Man are dead? Yeah. I mean, and I mean, now... Think about that for people like us, like, for us, quote-unquote, nerds. Um, I mean, I hate to say it, but Stan Lee's up there in age and yeah. things like that. It's gonna... Wow, we're getting really deep, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> Profound effect on our lives and, you know, our career aspirations. I mean... I can honestly say there there may be I may not have fully had let me let me try to say it's not as clumsy. Um <laughs> I believe that everything we take in ultimately f- plays little pieces in the puzzle that make us us that make us who we are at any given point in time. All of our memories, all of our experiences, good, bad, positive, negative make up who you are right now in this moment. And as for me right now in this moment, I'm pursuing several dreams. I'm, I'm writing this Massacre Twins comic, webcomic with Francis. I'm, I've got comics coming out through Blue Water uh, Comics, and I'm, I'm trying to pursue stand-up comedy, things like that, because I have a love for comedy. And I may not be doing that. I may not be chasing these whimsies. I may not have the sense of play and the sense of fun. It can certainly be said without the influence of Robin Williams uh, in my my childhood and my growing up. So yeah, so I mean, same thing with me. Like seeing him his role in like, it's just funny because I actually we were talking about Good Morning Vietnam. Like the way I would introduce how at work at one of my one of the attractions is like, uh, you know, I do that kind yeah. of stuff. And you know, inadvertently, it's like from something you've seen in your childhood. And Robin Williams played a big part every phase of your childhood. He came up with you know for us as Popeye, then became Mrs. Doubtfire and the Genie. And then became a Goodwill Hunting and things like that. He grew with us, sure, which is weird. It's kind of weird because he was still, a lot, you know, way up in age when we were, when we started from us, and it, seeing like, yeah. you know, he's like almost like Jack, you know. <laughs> if there's uh, any of you out there, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of you out there. <laughs> there's not a lot of you out there listening to this podcast, but any of you out there who are younger than we are, who maybe are only familiar with Robin Williams through some of his more recent movies, maybe even through things like Jack or or Hook or some of those things, do yourself a favor. Go back and YouTube some of his stand-up comedy from the '80s. Some of his appearances on Johnny Carson, um, or even stuff, even his later stand-up stuff. Yeah, yeah. his latest stand-up special that was from New York. Just a brilliant piece of performance art. Uh, you won't regret it. You won't be sorry. And uh, in lieu of our normal outro, which is what you heard after "Good Morning Vietnam," uh, the Razor Ramones, we're going to close the show today with uh, this video that we found. Uh, Robin Williams sent in the contribution to WWE Salute to the Troops. I forget what year. This was uh, maybe think, several years ago. I think it's like 2011. 2011, yeah. Um, just a really funny uh, piece, but also uh, reflective of uh, the caring and the selflessness of Robin Williams, who made several trips over on USO tours. Didn't publicize it, didn't announce it, didn't want the acclaim or the, the recognition for it, just did it because he felt like it was the right thing to perform for our troops that are over there. Uh, this is Robin Williams from, I believe, the 2011 uh, Salute to the Troops. Uh, you've been listening to Steel Cage Carnage. Tune in next week, Episode 8. We'll tell you what we thought about SummerSlam. And um, here he is, the great Robin Williams. No truer sentiment has ever been spoken when saying the words, Rest in peace. Yo! 
I'm Robin Williams, and I hope everyone watching will join me and the WWE in a special salute to the troops. Over the past decade, I've made several trips to Iraq and Afghanistan. And while I've made some of you laugh, you've inspired me. Once again, I thank all of you brave men and women for your extraordinary service. On behalf of everyone at the WWE Universe, we can't thank you enough for your sacrifice and your valor. Please get home safe and sound. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, peace!